Hello and welcome to the Christ Fellowship Weekly Podcast. At Christ Fellowship, our desire is to cultivate a passion for Jesus and His purposes on the earth. To connect with us in community, partner with us through giving, or visit on Sunday morning, please visit ChristFellowship.org. We hope you enjoy this week's sermon. All right, my name is James Albright, and I'm the missions and life group pastor here. And I love this church. I've been here for about 16 years now and been on staff for about 12 or so in different capacities. So as they said, we've been going through a sermon series called The Beautiful Exchange, covering the fruits of the Spirit in Galatians chapter 5. And so what we're talking about in this is this exchange that happens when God, when we lay our lives down and identify ourselves in His death burial, and his resurrection. So just as we see in the picture of baptism, we see that we go down into the water, and in that we are identifying with his death, and in that place, the old man passes away, and as we come into the resurrection that Jesus paved the way for us, then we come into a new life. Or as as it says in John 3, we're born again. It's a new start. It's a fresh day. And it's a beautiful exchange. That's why we called it that, because it is so beautiful what God has done for us. And we're going to unpack that more this morning. You know, um, but the thing is about that transformation that happens, and when we look at that list of character qualities that the Holy Spirit is the source of, He possesses, that we look at ourselves and we see that we're not all lined up, right? But there's a transformation that comes along. And so just as we, as a child, is born into this world, and they have inside of that baby, there is all this potential to walk and talk and have a job and be in relationships and and enjoy life in all the different capacities and contribute to this world. But at first, they're just there. They're just that baby that can't do all of that yet. But as as that child grows and develops and changes all of that potential that is in there from that point of birth is beginning to unfold. Okay, so it's like, you know, our kids, I remember our kids doing, when they were learning to walk, they are learning, they did the army crawl first, you know. They couldn't figure out quite the legs yet, but they're going to they're gonna do this kind of action. And, and, but some of the, you know, some of them, I don't know if any of our kids do this, I can't remember, but they would do kind of a variable scoot, like a little... They had like a little leg scoot push kind of action when they were learning to do this. And then, but eventually everybody kind of figures out you've got this crawl with legs. And then they figure out, okay, I can, wow, look at this, I can stand up. And they, usually they just kind of stand there at first and just, they don't move. They're just standing like, look at me, I'm standing. And, but then eventually they begin to scoot. You guys know those parents out there? And then if they, our kids would get really good at this. Our living room in Croatia was a little smaller, so they, would, they could maneuver around nearly the whole living room just by like, grabbing onto other pieces of furniture. I mean, they, there was no need to walk because I can grab onto all this stuff. But eventually, they took that first step and then grow into walkers. In the same way, we as believers, as followers of Jesus, we at that point of conversion, at that point of decision, when we say yes to Jesus and that new life fills us up, we've got all this potential in us and he wants to begin to help us unpack all of that and get our lives transformed so that we actually bear the fruit of the Spirit. 
So today, we're going to be talking about peace. And, uh, you know, I got the opportunity to walk through a little bit of peace struggle this last couple of weeks, which is often what happens when you're about to share on something, a little bit of anxiety, and so hopefully that'll bear some fruit here this morning. But we all need a little bit more peace, and you know, but when we say that we need more peace in our lives, I want to be clear here from the very beginning what we're talking about. Because if there's nothing else that you hear this morning, this is what I want you to hear. The peace that you need and that I need is Jesus. He is the, he is the center. He is the source. He is where we keep looking back to. When we wonder what should we do, where are we at, what, what's next, we keep looking back to Him. And no matter what I am lacking, I've found in my life that He is the answer to it. No matter what it is. He is the source of all the fruits of the Spirit. They are, after all, a fruit of His life, of Him. It's not, all, it's not that I need more patience in my life. It's that I need more Jesus. It's not that I need more joy in my life. It's that I need more Jesus. And it's not that I need more peace in my life. It's that I need more of Jesus. In Isaiah 9, chapter 6, he, it says that He is, in fact, the Prince of of peace. It is His name to embody the peace that we all need so desperately in a world that's full of anxiety. You know, a picture came to mind this last couple of weeks as I've been preparing for this. And, you know, we, we Texans, we love going to Colorado, to the mountains, right? We get up there as fast as we can to get. And, you know, here in the summer, in this part of summer, it's kind of nice. We start enjoying the heat a little bit, but in about two to three weeks, we're going to be questioning that whole thing. And uh, we're going to be planning our vacation to Colorado or somewhere in the mountains, somewhere to get out of this, this uh, sweat box. You know, so we went a few years ago, we went up to Winter Park, our family, which is up at about 9,000 feet. And so everything, you know, it's beautiful. The air is clean and fresh and and, and then, and everything seems pretty normal up until the point that you start to walk up some stairs. And when you get to those stairs and you start walking up by about the third or fourth stair, you're going, whoa, something, something's a little different. I feel my lungs hurting. And, and by the fifth, sixth, tenth stair, you're, you're huffing and puffing. And by the 15th stair, you're concerned, you need that, uh, that bag there in the seat back pocket in front of you. You're concerned about what might happen. You have noticed that there is a change. Something's different. Something has changed. We need a little more oxygen in our lives. I have this revelation as I'm huffing and puffing up those stairs. I could use more oxygen right now. I didn't know that. Everything looked the same. The air looks the same as it does in Texas but I need more oxygen in my life right now. And you know, peace is kind of the same way. It's the type of thing where you're going along in life and you don't really realize that anything has changed, but then all of a sudden you realize you need peace when you need peace. It's, you know, if we had done a poll ahead of time, there probably would have been a few of you if we'd asked, who needs a lot of peace this morning? There would have been a few of you that said, yeah, okay. But most of us are just kind of going, well, you know, I mean, I'm doing okay. But then when that person cuts us off going out of the church parking lot and all of a sudden we 
And that reaction comes out and we go, whoa, okay, I need a little bit more peace in my life. We realize that we need more peace in our lives when we get into that same argument with our spouse that just keeps coming up. Say it with a smile. We realize we need more peace in our lives when someone at work work says something in a meeting that's hurtful and we walk out of that meeting with a little emotional wound and we just can't get past it. We realize we need more peace in our lives when that unexpected bill comes in the mail and we don't know how we're going to handle it. We realize we need more peace in our lives when we come home after a busy day at work and one of our kids does something small, but we blow up at them. We go, whoa, I could use some more peace in my life. So my prayer today is that this message and then our subsequent discussions at Life Group would would begin to further equip the church in in discovering how we can uh, be more prepared in the storms of life and walk through them maintaining peace all the way through. And that's the vision of God for us. That's the heart of God for us. He wouldn't have said that this is attainable if it wasn't attainable. But right now, it's like walking on water. But we need to learn He made that possible. We can do this. We can learn to walk with peace. The main thing this morning is the peace of God can be experienced on a daily basis, even in the midst of our storms, in our hearts and our minds, and in our relationships, as we submit to His reign and trust in His character. So you guys join with me as we pray right now. Father, we thank You that this is in Your heart, that this is something that You want for us as a people. This is something that is in Your name. It's part of who You are. It's part of Your nature and character. And so, Lord, as we come here together as Your church, we submit ourselves to Your teaching, to Your ways, to, and we ask, Holy Spirit, that You would move in, in ways that, uh, that we can't even understand right now, that You would speak to our hearts in every single way. And it's in Your name, Jesus, that we pray. Amen. Amen. All right, we're going to unpack this topic by looking at Matthew chapter 8, verses 23 through 27, and then Philippians 4, 6 through 7. And I'm going to ask that you guys stand as we read the Word, just to honor the reading of the Word of God. And, you know, here's just a simple little prayer that I've started to make a part of my everyday time with Jesus. And so I want to invite you in on this. So as I open the word, I'll say this simple prayer. I say, I'll say, Father, will you shape me with the reading of your word? So if that's in your heart, if you guys would like to just repeat that with me, let's say it together. Father, would you shape me with the reading of your word? Amen. Here we go. Matthew chapter 8. Then he got into the boat and his disciples followed him. Suddenly a furious storm came up on the lake so that the waves swept over the boat, but Jesus was sleeping. The disciples went and woke him saying, Lord, save us. We're going to drown. He replied, you have little faith. Why are you so afraid? Then he got up and rebuked the winds and the waves and it was completely calm. And the men were amazed and asked, what kind of man is this? Even the winds and the waves 
obey Him. And now turn with me to Philippians 4, verses 6 and 7. And we're going to read this all together. Let's just read it out loud together. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Amen. This is the reading of the Word. Thanks be to God. Awesome. You can be seated. All right, so a couple of things here. God wants us to experience His peace. It's in the outline. God wants us to experience His peace in our hearts and our minds. So number one, He wants us to experience His peace in our hearts and minds. You know, this story of Jesus calming the storm really caught my attention a few weeks ago, and it, it caught my imagination. I was, I was, there was a couple of things about this story that were pretty fascinating. Obviously, that He calmed a storm but some of the details, when you really start to put yourself in there, are pretty incredible. And there's two things that Jesus did that stood out to me. Number one, he was asleep in the middle of a storm. And number two, his first question to his disciples was, why are you afraid? In the middle of this storm, he's asking them this peculiar question. And, you know, So one thing I love about Texas is our, is our thunderstorms here. So, yes, that's right. There's a witness in here. So, thunderstorms in Texas. So, the, what's best is if it rolls through at about 6 a.m. on a Saturday morning, and it's just gen- you don't have anything to do that Saturday morning, and it's just gentle enough, you hear it on the, on the roof, it's not wild and crazy just now, it's nice and gentle, and you hear that thunder rolling in the background. I'm lulling you guys to sleep right now. You're just... <laughs> I mean, that is great sleeping weather, isn't it? But what happens, though, when it starts to get a little wild, which it often does here in Texas, it starts to get a little wild, and the winds are blowing, and then the tornadoes go off. And I remember maybe a month and a half ago, two months, we had, we had a, one of those coming through in the middle of the night, and it woke me up out of a dead sleep. It didn't help. My phone was, you know, all the tornado warnings are going, you know, it's going crazy. But... We, it woke me up, and I, and I was, I think Laura was out of town at something, because I remember thinking to myself, as those sirens were going off, am I really going to get the kids up, you know, from, to get them all in the hallway at 2 a.m. or whatever it was? Went and checked the news, all that type of stuff. So it can wake you up out of a dead sleep, a big storm like that. It will take what was a really peaceful moment into a, a very much so not a peaceful moment. But if this, you know, so Jesus not only fell asleep, but he also stayed asleep. So he fell asleep before the storm, theoretically, and then he, he stayed asleep in that storm. And it wasn't until the disciples went to him that he woke up. And once they did, he asked them, what are they, what are they afraid of? And they had to be thinking, Jesus, we are experienced fishermen. We've been out here on the Sea of Galilee. We know what we're doing, and this thing is about to take us down. They were panicking. They weren't just saying, this is a big one, we're a little nervous. They're going, we're about to drown. We're going to die. They were panicking. So what were they afraid of? Come on. You know, so I'm a Washington State transplant. So I grew up in Washington State, but don't worry, Texans, I got here as soon as I could. 
So in 1998, I came here, and early on, when those storms would roll through, those Texas thunderstorms, we just didn't have those growing up. We didn't have that type of a storm. So when those storms would roll through, I was, I was terrified. I mean, really, it was some of these things were kind of apocalyptic level of storms, you know, these wind and rocks falling from the sky. And I know, glory for Todd, but everybody else is terrified. So especially this Washington State transplant. So we, Laura used to, uh, you know, poke, poke a little fun at me and give me a little hard time when I would, I would take mattresses and pull them into the hallway there in our apartment and about a week's worth of food and supplies and a battery powered radio. I mean, I'm exaggerating, of course, but it was, she would, not about the part where she gave me a hard time. So she would give me a hard time about this going, what are you worried about? She was the native Texan talking to the foreigner going, what's wrong? And these guys, these guys were natives, all of them. They'd seen storms before. They'd been on the lake before, but something about this storm terrified them. And as the disciples yelled at Jesus in an absolute panic, saying, Lord, save us, we're about to drown. I couldn't help but hear and remember the times where I've called out to him in a complete panic when some type of storm of life was going on, going, I've never been here before. I don't know what to do. This is bigger than they usually are. I'm terrified. I'm going to drown. If you don't save me, I'm going to die. And are you even good in the first place to let this happen to me? Everything that I stood on before gets thrown out the window in the storm. And I think about us as humans and how we often run in our hearts and our minds to the worst case scenario when we find ourselves in the storm. We're asking the questions, why? why is this happening to me? And what am I going to do to survive? And with the word that day, he rebuked the wind and the waves and it calmed immediately. And they were astonished. They were amazed. They were surprised. They were surprised. They had a revelation of his authority in that moment. And it all became clear. So how do we experience his peace in our hearts and minds? Number one, we rest in his reign. We rest in his reign, in his authority, in his reign over us. Philippians 4, 6-7, through as we read, said, Don't be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds. It's like a guard. There's no need for us to be anxious about anything, but instead we can submit to the authority and, and know that His reign is good. You know, we pray with thanksgiving. Paul didn't mix his words when he made sure and threw in that phrase, with thanksgiving. Because have you ever prayed without thanksgiving? Have you ever put a petition out there to the Lord and said, and without thanksgiving? We all have. What does it sound like? It sounds something like what the disciples did. God, help me! I'm going to die! Help me! There's no authority in it. It's like a beggar. 
But when we pray with thanksgiving, we're praying from a place of authority. We're praying from a place of, I know who you are, and I know who I am. And this is going to work out. This is crazy, and I wouldn't wish it on my worst enemy. But I'm going to make it, and you are God. And I trust you. We trust and rest in the place of authority as his sons and daughters, that our place is secure. Number two, we trust in his character. How do we, how do we experience his peace in our hearts and minds? Number two, we trust in his character. When we enter into the storm to experience his peace, we need to know that his plans for us are good. They're always good when we enter into the storm. The problem happens if we don't have that question settled ahead of time. When we don't have that question settled that He is good ahead of time, we're going to sound a whole lot like the disciples. We're going to start panicking and freaking out and going to the worst case scenario. But when we have that question settled, even in the midst of a broken world where sinful things happen to us, to our children, to our families, in our workplace, in the world, in nations, fighting against nations, even in the midst of that, we can know that His plans for us are good. That He has good things in store for us. That He, in fact, did not want those things, that evil, to happen, but He wanted good. And He will work His plan for our good. And Romans 8.28 becomes a reality in our lives that in all things, God works for the good of those who love Him. Okay. So number two, God wants us to experience His peace in our relationships. So number one, God wants us to experience His peace in our hearts and minds. Number two, in our relationships. You know, we can't talk about peace without talking about peace in our relationships. We got a little nervous in here. After all, so much of our anxiety is created from that from those places of tension in our relationships. And there's statistics out there. I'm not going to quote them because I can't do the, be sure on the reliability of the sources and there's a whole lot of play on the number. But the, it is a vast majority of our relationships as humans end in some type of brokenness or dysfunction. And it's, it's just a human condition. We see it even in the Bible. We see, we see Paul and Barnabas not going together on a missionary journey after they had been together. We see break in relationships all over the place. It's a human condition we do this. But how can we experience the peace of God in our relationships? Let's read Romans 12, 18. It says, If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. And then Romans 14, 19 says, Let us therefore make every effort to do what leads to peace and to mutual edification. God wants us to experience His peace in our relationships. And in fact, He calls us to make every effort to live at peace with others, with those around you. As much as it depends on us, live at peace with others. There's an ownership piece. We've got our part. You've got your part. And I'm going to do everything I can to live at peace with everybody around me. But that's not always easy. You know, years back, I had a close friend that I was working with, and he, 
we were talking one day with him and his wife, and he took something that I said out of context, and he got offended by it. And then he, he talked to me about it later, like the next day or so. And he told me about how that offended him. And I, and I said, brother, I, I did not mean that at all. That was, you know, this is what I meant when I said that. I'm so sorry I offended you. And he, he, he said he forgave me, but he, we just didn't seem to be able to get past it. It just kept being there in the relationship. And it was not the same. It was never the same. And unfortunately, this brother, he, his, there's a wake. What I soon discovered is there's this wake of broken relationships behind him. And I'm just one of those. But it, you know, it hurt. It was painful. How was I supposed to live at peace with myself or with him when he didn't want to be at peace with me? How is that supposed to happen? How am I supposed to obey what Jesus is telling me to do here? I did everything I knew to do to live at peace with him, but none of it seemed to matter. And in the end, I just had to choose to forgive him for holding that grudge over my head. And in the end, I had to rest secure in the peace that Jesus offers me rather than the situational peace. So as much as it depended upon me, I was able, and it was a journey, guys. I'm telling you the highlights. It was a journey. There was a lot of, oh God, why kind of prayers. But as much as it depended on me, I wanted to live at peace with Him. As much as it depended on me. Situational peace will come and go, but His peace will surpass our understanding. When we know who He is and who we are in Him, then we can look past our situation and we can rest in Him. So how do we maintain, our, how do we maintain peace with others? We maintain our peace with others by knowing our identity in Jesus. And just as we talked about earlier in the first point, if we want to know how to walk in peace in our hearts and minds, the same is true for us in our relationships. We need to rest in His reign and trust in His goodness. When we rest in His reign and we trust in His goodness, even in the midst of a storm between two people, if we rest there and trust in Him, then we can risk the vulnerability of saying, I'm sorry. Because there's not, you don't have anything to lose. If, you've, if you know who you are from Him and you know who He is and that He always has good plans for you, then we can, we can take that risk and say, I'm sorry. Because there's no ego on the line. There's no, there's no uh, reputation on the line. There's nothing that I need to maintain in and of myself where I can't say sorry because that'll look like I'm weak and I can't cross that line. But I'm good. I'm good with who I am and I can apologize for my part as much as it depends upon me. And in the same way, when we know who we are in Jesus, then we're free to forgive. So no matter which side of the story you're on, and we'll be on both sides, we're not only free to say we're sorry, but we're also free to forgive, even when they've not said sorry. So we want to take this word and apply it into our lives. So I want to encourage you guys, if you'd stand up, we're going to have some ministry time here, something we do every service. Ministry team and worship team, if you guys would come on up.
you know, so this, this is a time that we'll take each and every service because we want to be able to respond to what the Lord is saying to us. So he's, he's spoken to us, perhaps something out of the message, perhaps something else. And whatever it is, we want to be able to respond to it. It's a value that we have. And so we've got folks up here ready to pray with you. We've got others ready to go. And so we want to encourage you to, to come on up here in a moment. But before we do so, I want to ask that you would just close your eyes. We're just going to take a moment and reflect. And I'm going to pose a question for you just to reflect on, to ask the Lord. Just as we prayed earlier and we asked the Father to shape us with the reading of the Word, I want you to ask this question. Father, how are you shaping me today? Just pause and listen and reflect right now on your own life. Father, how are you shaping me today?